Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. But I'm going to go at it at a little bit of a different angle than it's usually preached on. I'm not so much going to focus on the material of what is said by Jesus and the interchanging conversation between him and Nicodemus. I'm going to look at more a little bit of the heart of Nicodemus as he is coming to Christ. The world did not highly esteem Jesus, right? He, he came here to his own, John chapter 1. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. He came loving sacrificing, constantly giving of himself. And was he received with joy and applause always by people? He was not, was he? Even to the point of persecution, he was treated. Almost, even to the point of death. Jesus was not highly esteemed by most people. He was loved by his disciples But not so much by the religious leaders and by those who could not take his message because his messages were too hard. They were too tough for some people to want to sacrifice, to want to give of themselves to Jesus' message. And Jesus said that it would be the same for us on this earth. He said if they treated the servant harshly or the master harshly, how much worse will they treat the servant? So there's a sense in which here upon the earth, we also will go through persecution. And how many of us living Christian lives, we have experienced some persecution, right? It may not be as bad in this country as it is in some of them, but it's more verbal, right? It's more people saying things as those stupid Christians, what are they doing? What are they doing gathering on a Sunday? You have Sundays for sleeping in. That's nap time. What are you doing going and singing, to someone that you can't even see with your visible eyes. Here in the world, we are treated harshly by verbal persecutions and seen as to be utterly foolish. Paul described this type of personality that's in this world as the God of this age, where Satan has certain people's eyes blinded so that way they may not see the light of the glory of Christ. And Jesus is trying to get to Nicodemus some of that same aspect in his mindset. He says to Nicodemus in chapter 1, or well, uh, sorry, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come for God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus being a Pharisee, he's one of the higher ups in religious order. So not only is he an important guy, but he's really up in the ladder. He's really higher up. I mean, you would consider him to be, as community-wise, if you're wanting to grow your children in a godly home and you want your children to have a, a good role model, you'd want your child to be a Pharisee. 
That, that's the way of the Jewish culture. A Pharisee is a teacher of the law and a liver of the law. And you would want him to be just like him. I mean, these people go so far into trying to follow the law is they'll even tithe from their spices. They'll even go through their spice rack and get a tenth of everything and donate that. That's, that's pretty extreme. But in the midst of all their laws and their regulations, they had missed the Messiah. Isn't that astonishing? I don't know about you, but whenever I read that in the New Testament, I'm blown away by the people who first should have responded positively to Jesus Christ. They responded the worst. I mean, they had been studying the law, they had been teaching it, and they should have been the first to jump at Jesus' arrival, to rejoice and to exclaim that the Messiah is here and to flee to him. But who is the hardest of hearts and who is the people that Jesus preached the most against? If you notice in the scriptures, Jesus isn't harsh that often, but the times when he is firm, it's with the religious teachers. And here you have one of them come to Jesus at night, And he's trying to figure this whole thing out, this whole Messiah thing. He sees some of the signs that Jesus is doing, which is early on in the ministry of Christ. So compared to what Jesus is going to do down the road, this this isn't much compared to what he does eventually do. Yet Nicodemus is wanting to know what this is all about. He says, surely God is with you because these signs and these miracles, these things that you are doing, they're a sign that God is blessing you. He's not affirming that he's really the Messiah yet, that he's affirming that, he, that Jesus is the one who has been promised in the Old Testament. He's just simply saying, we know that God's doing something in your life. And he wants a part of it. But Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, it almost kind of looks like, and you'll hear a lot of people say that Jesus just kind of ignores what Nicodemus said. Right? Nicodemus is saying that, Jesus, we know that God is with you because all these signs is happening. And people will say, well, Nic- Jesus is just totally changing the subject and it has nothing to do with what Nicodemus has just said. But that's not true. Because the signs are uh, pointing toward the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus is affirming that the signs are happening and God is doing them. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, if you want to be a child of the kingdom, you're going to have to be born again. These signs are not just meant to wow the spectatorship of Christ. These signs aren't just to say, wow, isn't Jesus awesome? He can heal the sick. He can do powerful miracles. I mean, which is what some people wanted. They wanted an army. You would have the best army in the world if you had Jesus on your side, right? You would never have to worry about provision as far as food. You never have to worry about being hurt, someone come around and and stab you, and Jesus would just come along and heal you? That's the best, most powerful army in the world. And that's what some of them were wanting. Jesus, you can destroy our enemies, and we would be the best army. So Nicodemus may be part of that group as just after the signs, and not so much after the sign maker. He's more... And curious about what Jesus is doing through his hands and the words that Jesus is proclaiming. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're going at this all wrong. You're trying to look at it just purely from the physical side, but you're just purely of the flesh. You also have to be born of the spirit and of water. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Nicodemus should have been all the more ready to receive Christ and the message that Christ had for his people. But Nicodemus was not understanding. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, the main thing that I want to look at is, what is the heart of Nicodemus? And the main way that which we look at that is not only the things that, G, that Nicodemus says, but what Nicodemus does. Why is it significant that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night? Because he's afraid, right? You don't do things in the night just because it's convenient. In fact, it's less convenient, is it not? To do things in the night, you know, you ever be mowing the lawn, and uh, we don't have like we, we don't have uh, a lawnmower with or, like a riding lawnmower or anything with lights, so we have to make sure if we mow the lawn, get done with work, you mow the lawn real quick before it gets dark. I mean, you don't have to so much worry about that, I guess, right now, but you have to make sure that you get things done before it gets too dark. At this time, it's even worse, right? Now we just have cell phones. We just pull up our light app and just shine, you know, it's, it's, it's still somewhat inconvenient, but it's easier for us. Then it's much worse because you don't have street lights, you don't have street lamps, you just don't have a, a flashlight that you can pull out of your pocket or an iPhone in which you can just pull out the light app. It's way more inconvenient to do things at night. But Nicodemus comes to Jesus Christ at night, probably because he doesn't want to be seen. Probably because he is afraid. Nicodemus may have just been a sign seeker as some of the other people in John had been. John chapter 2 verses 23 through 25 writes about a group of people like that. It says, Now when he was, talking about Jesus, in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about him, about man. For he himself knew what was in man. So all these people were seeing all these miracles that Jesus were doing and they were flocking to him. And guess what? Jesus did not entrust himself to all of those people. He did to certain groups. But Jesus could look into the heart and he saw that some of them were just more concerned about having their bellies filled with the bread at which he could produce rather than having their souls satisfied with the bread that he was. And Jesus did not entrust himself to all of them because he knew who the sign seekers were. And the signs were meant to point to the kingdom. Now the question is, does Nicodemus have a change of heart? Because we obviously see that he is consumed with fear. He wouldn't go to Jesus at night if he was open about it. If Nicodemus didn't care what his other... Sometimes it can be hard to go against the grain of even your peers. Sometimes it can be hard to go against what other people are saying. 
So you have Nicodemus, who is also a Pharisee, surrounded by all these other Pharisees, criticizing Jesus. Well, if he was the Messiah, he wouldn't do healings on the Sabbath. If Jesus was truly of God, he wouldn't be so concerned with the little guy. He would come up to the temple, he would proclaim as the Messiah, and have everybody come and worship him. They had these preconceived ideas of what the Messiah should be like, and when he didn't fit their mold, they wanted nothing to do with him. So, Nicodemus is hearing all this, but inside he's struggling. Inside he's wondering, is this really the Messiah? Because I do not want to miss it if he is the Messiah. If he is the promised one. If he is the anointed one. But Nicodemus at this time has a fear of man. Fear of man can cripple so many of us. Fear of man and man's opinion can cripple the body of Christ so much. Even if it's to the point of not so much physical abuse and persecution, but even just people's words and the things that they can criticize and say to us and their opinion of us. For me, when I first became a Christian at the age of 16, that was one thing that I was concerned about. I thought to myself, I was hanging around all these people that weren't Christians, and then I all of a sudden became a Christian. What are they going to say? I mean, I don't want them to think that I'm a crazy snake handle or anything like that. I don't want them to think I'm crazy. What do I do? Because I was afraid of the opinion of others. And Nicodemus seemed to have that same sort of fear. A fear of losing his status before the other religious leaders. A fear of being treated as an outcast by the religious authorities. But it's not just Nicodemus. Interestingly enough, a lot in the Gospel of John, a lot of people have fear of man. John chapter 7, verses 12 through 13. John 7, 12 through 13. And there was much muttering. That's a word you don't hear very often. And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man that was born blind. That's pretty miraculous. That's amazing. I mean, not that necessarily you want to compare, but... A man that was born blind, being healed, that's even more amazing than a man who had become injured and become blind in healing him. But yet Jesus heals this man that was born blind, and his parents are brought in before the religious teachers. And they're asked, was this man really born blind? How bad was he? And they're just trying to field out the information. And his parents cave because of fear. John 9.22 says in this parenthetical statement, says between parentheses, his parents said these things. They basically, they, tried, they asked him, so was this man born blind? They were asking him questions about the man. And they basically say, he's of age, ask him. Now that seems like an odd way. It's, it's a misdirection, right? They're good at politics. They're good at redirecting the issues. And for here, Jesus had changed this man's life. And yet the people wanted to know what it was and yet his parents did not want to answer the question (laughs) they did not want to be concerned about losing their status and so his parents said these things they said you can ask him because they feared the jews for the jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess jesus to be the christ he was to be put out of the synagogue 
So they had said, if you believe Jesus, you're out. You can't come here. Can you imagine that, trying to go to church, and then they check you at the door and they say, nah, you can't come here. That's pretty harsh. But they had said, if anyone says that Jesus is the Messiah, you're out. You cannot be a part of the synagogue. And the synagogue is everything to the Jew. John 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. They did not want to be put out of the synagogue. They did not want to be ostracized. They did not want to be cast out. So they have the most amazing news within their hearts that Jesus has come to set us free, to give us life. The Messiah would come and bring all the sins of his people to naught. And yet, they held that within themselves because they were afraid of what other people might think of them. Because they were afraid of the opinion of others. Now, I think that Nicodemus did have somewhat of a change of heart. Because you see two events later on that changes Nicodemus. In John chapter 7, verses 45 through 52, you see something that's different about Nicodemus. So this is after Nicodemus has come to Jesus at night, and he's probably been wrestling with some of the things that Jesus has told him. It says, The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why did you not bring him? So they were sent out to arrest Jesus. The officers said, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? Which some of them did, but secretly. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So Nicodemus responds to the Pharisees, You ever been in a meeting where everybody has one opinion and then you have another opinion? And so you share that opinion? It can be frightening to share that one opinion when you're filled with the people who don't share that same opinion. But Nicodemus did. He spoke up. May not have been a big defense for Jesus, but still, that's still something. And in John chapter 19, this is the death of Christ. John 19 verses 39 through 40. Nicodemus also, so Joseph of Arimathea is also a religious authority at the time, goes to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus comes also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. That's a lot of spices. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. To the Jew... It is extremely rude if you do not attend the funeral. If you are not there for the funeral, you might as well be dead for the, to the family. Nicodemus attended Jesus' funeral, in a sense. I mean, Jesus didn't get much of one. It was very quick. They had to rush and, and bound him up and take his body. But Nicodemus was there for his friend. And he brought, as was custom... Think of bringing flowers to a funeral. That is the equivalent of what's going on. So I believe Nicodemus had a heart change as he went. That would be pretty bold to do. To go and to say, I want to bring flowers for my friend. 
Now, our practical application is we too can live and struggle with fear of man. Because our opinion as Christians sometimes is not always the most popular. Sometimes it could be in a group. You know, sometimes it could be easy to be a Christian when you're surrounded by other Christians. But get into an environment in which there are not other Christians and the majority opinion is against Christianity. That's a tough one. Maybe some of you are dealing with that at school or work or any type of environment where the opinion of a majority or maybe there's even some there that think you're crazy for being a Christian. And yet our call as Christians is that we can live in boldness because Jesus gives us that boldness. I'm not saying you go up to your boss and say, hey, get right with Jesus or else. That's not the type of attitude. But Jesus calls us to live a higher standard. Jesus calls us into this freedom in which we can enjoy. The amazing thing is, you notice from the Gospels to Acts, the disciples are totally different people. They're totally different. In the Gospels, they're confused. They're always kind of, you know, sometimes they kind of annoy you when you read the Gospels. You know, I kind of read them like, why don't you guys get this? But they're constantly asking Jesus, oh, what's that mean? What's that mean? And then they're still struggling. And then when Jesus needs them at his final hour, they all scatter and they're gone. They're hiding when Jesus reappears to them because out of fear. And yet, when the Holy Spirit falls upon them at Pentecost, they are radically different people. The same man who is afraid of a little girl coming up to him and saying, aren't you a Galilean also? Peter, he denied Jesus three times. That same man gets up and stands before the Jews and said, you murdered Jesus Christ. Now repent. That's huge. That's radically different. And yet we live in that era. We live in the era which we can have boldness for Jesus as well. When the culture may tell us that we are fools, the gospel highly esteems those who highly esteem Christ. In Acts, they are heavily persecuted. Heavily persecuted. And I'll close with this thought. That you would think that the prayer life of people that are being heavily persecuted would be somewhat different than what it is as recorded in Acts. So in Acts, especially chapter 4 is what the text we're looking at. In Acts 4, John and Peter are brought before the Sanhedrin. They're brought before the council. And at this time, I believe they're even beaten and told, if you ever proclaim the name of Christ again, worse is going to come upon you. They, they promise them another beating. They're going to jail them. It's going to be much worse. They let them free this time. But they say, if you do it again, you won't go free so much next time. And so they let him go, and they go out. What do you think would be most of our prayer life for that? It records the, the prayer life of the disciples, of the apostles. You would think that it would be, Lord, protect us. Lord, destroy, you know, protect us from our enemies. Make sure that their plans do not prosper. Make sure that we are under your hedge of protection. And I don't think there would have been anything wrong with that form of prayer at all. But the amazing thing is, is that is not the main content of their prayer. The main content of their prayer was, in verse 29, they say, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They pray a lot for boldness in Acts. 
So the disciples were more afraid of not being bold for Jesus than they were afraid of losing their own lives. They were afraid in the moment of truth, when it came down to losing their life or standing up for Jesus Christ, they were afraid that they would not stand up for Jesus. They were afraid to death that they would give in, that they would cave. But they were faithful. And Jesus calls us to that same faithfulness. No matter how bad it may get, Jesus calls us to live for him. And he promises to honor that. No matter how hard life may get, he promises to honor those who are humble and walk in his ways. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you call us to a a new life of being bold for you. And there's even almost a sense of being a, a quiet boldness. It doesn't call for all of our personalities to mesh up with a certain structure. But there's this quiet boldness that certain people can have even in their personality, God. That we stand for Christ, that we stand for your ways. That in the midst of persecutions or threats, or maybe we live in a, 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 or maybe we're in a time of peace, which is great. But at times, as a wave of persecution comes through, help us to be strong in that. Help us not to be as the, the soil that when the seed falls upon it, it grows roots real quick, but the sun comes up and scorches it. Because it has no roots of death, it shrivels and withers away. Let us not be that type of soil, but to be the type of soil that stands for Jesus Christ and his word. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.